0: All right, Ruth chapter 2, if you will, Ruth chapter 2, as you're turning, uh, again, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to to be here with you all tonight, and just the the fellowship that we've enjoyed today uh, has been wonderful, I I really appreciate your church and, and your kindness to me. Uh, In the book of Ruth, over the last couple of years, God has laid a passage on my heart that has just been uh, one of those passages that I have have found to be so useful in my personal life that I've kind of been using it over the last couple of years. Anytime I speak at a church for the first time or the first time in a long time, I I like to use this passage of Scripture because it's challenged me. It's spoken to my heart, and and tonight I was praying and I was was planning on preaching a different message, but I, I wanted to bring this tonight and hopefully encourage you. Uh, I think each and every one of us, uh, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, He did not give you the gift of salvation just for you to harbor it within your heart and do nothing with it. I believe that each and every one of us have an opportunity. We have a calling on our life that there are opportunities that you will be given to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ that I will never have uh, you know people that I'll never meet. You work with people that I'll never interact with. Uh, you know people on a basis that I would never be able to get that close to them. And you have been charged. You have the responsibility of giving the gospel of Jesus Christ to those people just like I am with the folks that I meet. And tonight I want to use this passage of Scripture to hopefully encourage you in this endeavor of getting the gospel to each and every person that we possibly can. And it comes out of Ruth chapter 2. This is one of those passages of Scripture. I really won't go into detail uh, about the background of this book, you know this book, you know this chapter, you know this story. Uh, Ruth's husband is dead. Her father-in-law, her brother-in-law, they've all passed away. It's a male-dominated society. They've decided to go back to where her mother-in-law is from. The sister-in-law she leaves goes back home. Uh, they find themselves back at uh, the the hometown of her family. They're left destitute. They're left basically to, uh, try to fend for themselves. And because they're an able body, uh, they have to go out and work for it. And we kind of find the whole scenario coming to this, this, this beautiful picture of them out in Boaz's field and they're gleaning. They're, they're out trying to harvest what's been left over so that they can have some for themselves to not only eat, but then to also sell and try to make a, a little bit of an income. And we get there and, and, uh, Boaz has come back and he's come back home and he's looking out over the reapers in verse number seven. He sees all the different people that are out there. And then he notices a girl he's never seen before. And again, if you read this in Alabama, they would say, good gracious, who's that girl out there? She's good looking. That's basically what Boaz says as he lays eyes on her. He wants to know who is that woman out there. And they tell her, hey, you know, that's Ruth, the Moabite woman. She's come back with her mother-in-law and she's been here uh, since morning time. She's been out here harvesting and, and she's still here today. And so he calls her over and he says, hey, Ruth, listen, I want to do something special in your life. I I want to be a blessing to you. I I want to impact you greatly. And here's what I'm wanting to do. And he gives her what we would call kind of a quid pro quo. Now, that's a legal term, a a this for that agreement. Listen, I'm willing to do all of these things for you if you're willing to do these things here. I like this because I believe with all my heart that God wants to invest in your life. God wants to bless your life. God wants to use you. He wants to open up doors of opportunity for you. God wants to, to use you to glorify his name. And I think that the, the principles that we find in this passage are equally true for you and I tonight if we go and we serve God. And this is what I find in Ruth chapter 2. Look down, if you will, in verse number 8. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, "Hear thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here, fast by my maidens. Look at verse number 9. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger? And Boaz entered, and said, it hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. I like this because he says, Ruth, listen, here's what I want to do. I want to bless you, and here's how it's going to work. The first thing in verse number 9, he says to her, Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. Ruth, here's number one. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, whenever it comes to receiving these blessings, for you to to see what I want to do in your life, I want you to be focused. I want you to be focused on this field right here. This is the one that I have for you. Uh, Don't worry about what's going on over here in the cornfields or the soybeans over here. or uh, Don't worry about what's going on in the oat fields over there. None of those things. This field right here is the one that I have for you, and I want you to concentrate, focus, and get to work in this one. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that tonight uh, I believe that God would have each and every one of us be focused in what He's called us to do. I have to admit, I I love. We were at lunch today. We were talking about how much I've enjoyed being up here in Toronto. I don't think I would ever have said that before. I'm not a city person. I'm very much a country fellow. When I moved to Baltimore, I almost died. I didn't know what I was going to do. There was way too many people there. My house was way too close to somebody else's. I am not that kind of person. In fact, when we moved to Baltimore, we had to kill or we had to slaughter and butcher all the cows that we had. We had grown some cows since I had had cows since way early on in life. Uh, I had to get rid of horses. They're probably glue now. I don't know. Or dog food. I'm not sure what happened to those things. Uh, I was just devastated to move to a city. But, you know, what? I came here and I'm like, wow, this is a clean city. I love how diverse it is. I, I, I love how beautiful it is. Y'all are friendly up here too. I got to be honest with you. I've, I don't know that I've been to a big city that's as friendly as the folks who are up here. I really enjoyed it. I came to church this morning. I thought, wow, this is a great church. I love how friendly the people are here and, and how uh, enthusiastic they are about serving the Lord. You know what would be easy for me to do? It would be very easy for me to say, you know what? I want to go get involved in a church over there. Or you know what? My wife tells me all the time that I have ministerial ADD. That I see something like, "Ooh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be, let me go and see if I can help them over there. I have to be focused, though, on what God's called me to do. God has called me to be a medical missionary with Medical Missions Outreach. And you know what the honest truth is? I think he loves me more than he loves anybody else because he lets me do this. I love my ministry. I love the fact that I am called to this ministry. And I am thankful that I get the opportunity on a regular basis to go and meet other people and do my best to meet the needs that they have while sharing the love of Jesus Christ with every single one of them. That's me. That's my calling. Tonight, what is your calling? What is your field? What has he, he, he laid on your heart? What has He cast your vision to do? Uh, where is He trying to get you to be used to see other people come to know as Him Savior? Uh, we need more Christians today who would say, Lord, I don't want to worry about what other people are doing. I don't want to be worried about what talents they may have or, or what abilities they may have or all the things that you bless blessed them with. God, I want to be focused on what you've called me to do, and I want to give it everything I possibly can. God, if you want me to be a Sunday school teacher, I'm going to be the best Sunday school teacher there is. I mean, I'm going to concentrate, I'm going to work, I'm going to develop good lessons for these these folks that I have the opportunity to teach. I'm going to call them, I'm going to visit them. God, you want to be a choir member, then that's fine. I'm going to sing to the top of my lungs. I'm going to give you all the glory as I sing for you. God, you want me to be an usher, you want me to be a greeter. Whatever it is, God, you've called me to do, God, help me to be so focused on that job, on that task, that everybody knows that this is my passion in life to serve you where you've called me. Colossians three twenty three and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 13, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. In other words, I think that it is so important for us to be focused on what God has called us to do. The question is, what has God called you to do? Make no doubt about it tonight, ladies and gentlemen, each and every one of us. Each and every one of us have a field that God wants us involved in, serving him wholeheartedly, focused on the task in front of us. Ruth, go out there, be focused. This is your field. And I'm telling you, it's going to amaze you what's going to come out of this. It's going to amaze you all the things that I'm going to do for you, but be focused and go out into this field. Not only that, but he also tells her, he says, listen, Ruth, I, I want you to be focused, but I want you to be following. Uh, let, thine eyes be be, uh, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap. And listen to this next part. And go thou after them. And go thou after them. Be following, Ruth. Uh, Psalm 63, verse 8. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Second Corinthians four verses sixteen through eighteen, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things that which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Matthew 16, verse 24, then Jesus said unto the disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You see, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's not about just saying, Okay, I'm going to be focused that this is my field, but I've got to be following. In other words, I've got to go after it. I've got to be passionate and I've got to pursue what God has called me to do. This is where the rubber meets the road, where we need more Christians to say, you know what? It's not about just talking a good talk. It's about actually walking that walk. It's about getting involved and going after it. I like this because I believe the owner of the field here, I may be off on this one, but I have a feeling he could have said, hey, everybody out yonder, all you workers. Y'all just go ahead and scoop about five pounds of what y'all have already harvested into a bag. Do that, each one of you, and bring it up here and just give it to Ruth. He could have done that, couldn't he? Just like Jesus Christ could have called the angels. God could have angels come and minister and tell people of His great love, but He has not chosen that. He's chosen you and I. He didn't commission the angels to go reach this world for Jesus Christ. He commissioned us to do it. It's our responsibility. It is our task, and we must fulfill that task. We must work at it. Let us do away with Christians who have an appetite of just sitting around and doing nothing and waiting for people to come to us. Let's be done with that attitude of, if a visitor comes in the door, then I'll try to reach them with the gospel. Let's have Christians who are proactively looking in our field for those people that we can reach with the love of Jesus Christ. May we sacrifice. May we work at this if it means that I've got to put a little bit aside, if it means I've got to do my time differently, if I've got to reorganize all the priorities in my life, I will do it because it is that important for me. If I've got to get up a little bit earlier, if I've got to save money here or there, whatever it takes to be actively working in my field to reach those people for Jesus Christ. Ruth, you want to see amazing blessings you came here today, and you were just kind of hoping they were going to let you in the field, and they did, and you've been working. But listen, listen, there's been a change here. Uh, you know the owner of the field now, and he wants to do something great in your life. And here's what you're going to do now. You're going to be focused. You're going to start following, and you're going to go out there and just get to work because there's great things in store for you. And if you'll do those things, Ruth, here's what I'm willing to do for you. If you're willing to get into your field, focus on what God's called you to do, Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anything stop you. Get out there and go to work. It's going to be hot, Ruth. It's the Middle East. It's going to be hot. You're wearing those long robes probably that they had on that day. Uh, you're probably stooping down, picking up, putting in that bag, stooping down, picking up, putting in that bag. I mean, it's going to be hard work and you're dragging that bag. It's getting heavier and heavier. And then at the end of the day, you still got to go back and you still got to process all of it so that it can be eaten or sold. I mean, there's a lot of work involved here, Ruth. But if you just stick to it, if you'll just do it, I promise you it's going to pay off in the end. And if you stick to your job, here's what I'm willing to do for you. He goes on. He goes on and says, hey, let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap and go thou after them. Listen to this next part. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? Man, I love that. He says, Ruth, listen, if you'll go out there and you'll be focused and you follow uh, what I've given for you to do, listen, I'll keep you safe. I like that. I like that. Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 25. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. Listen, you, you, You don't let anything slow you down. Don't let anything keep you back. I have people all the time, they'll say, Bradley, do you really feel safe going into these foreign countries? Uh, Do you ever get nervous about what may happen to you? No, I get more nervous about the traffic in Baltimore because those folks are crazy drivers. I'm not even going to lie to you. I think we have closely become the murder capital of the United States as well. It's a scary place. I'm more scared about that than I am going to serve the Lord where he's called me to. I love what I get to do. In fact, you know what? Here's an honest story. I'll give you a quick story. We were in Haiti right after the earthquake. We had 28 people down there. Uh, it was an orthopedic uh, trauma team. And so we were doing a lot of uh, uh, setting of broken bones, amputations, rescissions, just a lot of different surgical procedures for the crushed victims from the earthquake. And we had started triaging our, our little hospital that we were using was completely full. So we had stepped out into the road and we were triaging people outside to find out who were the more serious cases, who could go home, who needed just some, you know, simple tile and all things like that so that they could go ahead and leave. And we were working on this when all of a sudden about five guys come pulling up on mopeds. They all came pulling up on these mopeds. They had NBA jerseys and big gold chains on them, and I called them uh, Hades Angels. They came riding up on those little mopeds, and they stopped, and they were just staring at us. We had a couple of guys from uh, the U.S. that are homeland security agents. They have a license to be able to carry a weapon around the world, and so they were there as our security guards because we knew that there might be issues down there with looting and that kind of thing. And one of them made a beeline to me. He said, hey, Bradley, I think we're about to get robbed. He said, those guys over there, he said, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever. They're casing us. Uh, we're probably going to be robbed in the next few minutes here. I said, all right, well, let me, the, let me get the team inside the hospital walls. They had these big 11-foot concrete walls around the hospital. So let me just get them inside, and then we'll deal with it. So I told everybody, hey, everybody just go inside, leave your stuff. We'll come back in a few minutes. And we were getting everybody to go inside the hospital gates when all of a sudden you could hear this loud rumbling sound. Uh, there was dust just coming over the back of the hospital walls. There was a road behind it that kind of went behind the hospital, up the side, and then around to where we were. And you could see this dust flying, and you could hear these vehicles driving pretty fast. And all of a sudden, around the corner comes these big old Humvees, and the Humvees came to a stop. And all of a sudden, all these soldiers jumped out of the Hummer, and this guy comes walking over to me. And in perfect English, he says, uh, who's in charge here? I said, I am. Well, he said, my name is Sergeant So-and-so. I'm with the 82nd Airborne uh, of the United States Army, and I'm here on a U.N. peacekeeping mission, and you're in my safety zone. I said, man, y'all got impeccable timing. (laughs) He said... Are you worried about these guys right over here? I said, well, actually, I said, our security team was a little concerned about He goes, we know who they are. They're looters. He said, actually, that's the reason why we're here. We were tracking them, and we knew that they were headed up this way. So let me go and talk to them. He goes over, and he says some stuff in Army talk that I would never repeat in mixed company for sure. And all of a sudden, those guys' eyes got big. They got on their mopeds. They drove off. We never saw them again. It's not too exciting, is it? In 15 years. For me personally, and this is just me, I know that there's other people whose lives have been more closely uh, kept by Christ or, or, or protected in more difficult situations than I've ever had. But in 15 years, you know what? I've been in my field working and I've never once ever felt like God has left me. I've never once felt like I'm insecure in being in this position. I've never once felt like my life was so in danger that I felt like I needed to, to run away and hide. I want to tell you tonight, whatever it is that holds you back from getting in your field, from being focused, from, from from following and just being passionate about serving where God has called you to, let me tell you right now, put those things out of your mind. The master of the field has called you to his field. He will protect you. And listen, may I tell you this? Uh, before I leave on any of my trips, I, I call my oldest son Noah into the room. It's a ritual that we have. The night before I leave the country, every time I pull Noah into the room and I look at him, I say, buddy, Uh, My kids call me Poppy. I said, buddy, Poppy might not come home from this trip. I'm not sure what God's going to do. I'm not sure what may happen. But if Poppy doesn't come home from this trip, I want you to know one thing. I'm doing what God's called me to do and everything will be all right. Because you know what? I believe with all my heart that somebody may try to do something to this human body, but they can never touch my soul because I am so safe. I am so secure in my Master's hand that I can rest in that with no problem whatsoever. The psalmist says, I will both lay me down and sleep. I like that verse because the more I thought about that, why did he say that? I will both lay me down and sleep. Why did he have to put those two things together? Because I've been there before when I couldn't go to sleep because I had the burdens of the world weighing on me. Where I sat there and stared at the the ceiling, counting sheep and, and watching the fan turn because I was so scared of what was going to happen in my life. And the psalmist here, the man who's run from enemies, the one who's had people hunting his life on multiple occasions, he tells us whenever your soul is resting in the Lord, when you find Him as your high tower as your strength and your shield, you can lay down and you can go to sleep because He will protect. Ruth, go out there. It's a male-dominated society. It's true. Usually, these men probably could push you. They could probably uh, slap you or something like that if you were to get in their way, but not today. Oh no, you've got my protection. You just get out there and you go do what I've called you to do and don't you worry about any of that. I'll take care of you. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? I I like how he continues on this last part. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. I like this because he tells her, he says, Ruth, listen, you go out there, you be passionate. You go out there and, and, and you serve, you do what I've called you to do, and I'll keep you safe. And I'll always give you your supply. Matthew 6 verses 25 through 34. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they, they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Ruth, listen. It's hot. You're going to get tired. There's no doubt whatsoever. And whenever you feel like you just can't go on anymore or when you just feel like this is just overwhelming, I want you to know I've already thought of all that. And what you're going to need is some cool water. It's going to refresh you. It's going to give you the strength and the energy you need. It's going to help you to keep carrying on. I've already thought about it. It's already prepared. It's already here waiting for you. Bradley. I already know the money that you're going to need to fund a building of a surgical center. I've already taken care of it. I wish I had time. Maybe I do. I'll tell you this story really fast. Uh, three years ago, we were in Honduras with a surgical team. We were working in that local hospital. The reason why the health care is so bad there is because of the corruption within the political system and in the administration of the hospital. That's just the honest truth about it. We had noticed multiple times we would go down and we would be working and overnight surgical supplies would be missing that we had brought down to use for specific cases. Uh, We would notice that they would tell us that we couldn't use certain medications and all of a sudden they would be gone and then they would be used by other people that were being sold. Uh, It it was just one of those frustrating situations and we were there with a surgical team. We had an orthopedic surgeon with us. He was there ready to do a lot of cases. And to make a long story short, the hospital just kept putting us off and frustrating us over and over. They wouldn't want us to do as many cases because it made them look bad that we were there to work and we would do case right after case with no breaks in between. And so they started frustrating us and causing us not to be able to do as much work. And I remember we were sitting at the hotel that night and the orthopedic surgeon came in and he was angry and rightfully so. He came and he sat down and he said, I left a lot of people in the United States that need surgery that I could be making money. I could be paying the bills for my family, but I'm here and these people are not letting me do surgery. Something has to happen. I looked at him. And I said, OK, what's your what do you want me to do? What would you like for me to do? And tomorrow morning you give me a good idea. I'll go down to the hospital and we will push this through. We will make them let us. I said, you give me a, you tell me. He said, I don't know. I, this this corruption is beyond anything I've ever seen before. He said, here's what we can do. He said, Matt, the missionary, he's got plenty of land over there where his church is. You have medical connections. He said, what needs to happen is you need to build a surgical center down here so that we can help these people that have such a big need. I kind of laughed. I said, no way. That is not a viable answer to me. I've got enough going on in my life. I'm not adding a surgical center to it. The night finishes. Uh, we finished the entire trip. The missionary calls me about a week later. He says, Hey, are you praying for the surgical center? I said, no, I'm not. He said, I think we need to. He said, the more I think about it, the more God just keeps impressing it on my heart that we should step out in faith and do that. He said, will you help me pray about it? I crossed my fingers because he couldn't see me while he was on the phone. I said, sure, I'll pray about it. I'm not going to pray about it. We hung up about two weeks later. He calls me, said, hey, have you been praying about this surgical center, man? The more I pray about it, the more God is really. I said, I think I mentioned it while I was about to eat lunch a couple of days. I'm not sure about that. I don't know, Matt. I, I really don't know about this. I don't know if I'm interested in this or not. He said, please, Bradley, let's just pray about it. Let's see what God does. We hang up the phone about two days later. My phone rings and I answered it, And it's this lady. She had traveled on one of our teams six years before this. She calls me and she says, uh, I got your prayer letter and I went on your website where all the list of things that you need is listed. And I want to help buy something on there. I noticed that you're looking for an ultrasound machine. Can you tell me about it? I said, yes, ma'am. I said, it's a piece of junk. It's just a cheapo piece of junk. Uh, it runs about seven hundred dollars. But really what we want to use it for, we really just want to be able to show mothers their baby in utero that their baby's healthy. We want to use it for abortion prevention. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why we want to use something like this. I said, but it's, it's nothing fancy at all. And she said, well, that, that does, is that what they use in the hospital? I said, no, ma'am, not at all. I said, I used one from the hospital system. I just looked at one. It was 10 years old. They still wanted $25,000 for it. I said, there's no way I could ever afford one of those. And she said, you know what? You can now. I'm going to send you a check for $25,000. I want you to have that ultrasound machine. Man, I'm blown away. Nobody had ever given a gift that big to our ministry. I hung up the phone and I'm going, you got to be kidding me, Lord. That's incredible. $25,000. And then reality hit. And I called her back and I said, ma'am, I don't think that would be a good use of God's money. I said, the honest truth is, if I get a machine like that, you've got to have a sonographer that knows how to use that machine. It's a pretty bulky piece of equipment, so I won't be able to take it to every country we go on. I just don't think that's a really good use of God's money. Will you please just send me the $700? Let me get the one. It's about the size of a cell phone. Let me just get that one instead. She said, you mean you would rather have $700 versus $25,000? I said, yeah, because I don't want to be responsible for wasting your money. She said, well, isn't there anything else going on in your ministry that you could use help with? I said, well, we just bought a warehouse and an office building here in Baltimore. We had to do some renovations. We're about a half a million dollars in debt. She said, okay, what else is going on? And I'm sitting there. My mind is just like going crazy. Like I'm trying to think of things to tell this woman because obviously she wants to give me $25,000, but I got to give her a good answer. So, I mean, I just shot from the hip and I just said, we're thinking about building a surgical center. She said, really, that sounds interesting. Tell me all about it. I said, well... We're gonna build this building, we're gonna cut people open and sew them back up and do surgeries and stuff. I, I don't even know what to say to you. I mean, I know the community's really bad and they need the help there and, and I'm just kinda of mumbling and tumbling through all this and she finally, she says, you know what? I'm gonna send you this money. I want to send you this money, uh, and I want you to use it. You can use it for anything you want to. If you need to use it for the, the the mortgage that you have on your warehouse, that's fine. If you want to buy that nice ultrasound machine, you can. She said, but really, I would love to see it help you with that surgical center. I said, oh, great. That sounds wonderful. She said, well, how much is it going to cost to build the whole thing? I said, I don't even know. Like, we just started talking about this. I have, we I don't know. I said, I know that they spent about $85,000 building their big church building, and I couldn't see us building anything that big. She said, okay. She said, I don't feel very well today. I'm going to go to the post office tomorrow, and I'll mail you the check tomorrow. I said, hey, we're not in any rush. That is no problem at all. She said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and round it up to an even $100,000 to help you out. I know. That's exactly I said, Excuse me? I said, we just went from $700 to $25,000 to 100 Do you need to take some time to pray about this, to think about this at all? She said, no, I'm going to send you the check tomorrow. I said, all right. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't know if it was real. I'm not going to lie. About a week later, my secretary calls me hyperventilating. We just got a check with more zeros than I've ever seen before in my life. I said, it's there. I said, go cash it. See if it really cashes. <laughs> I know. My little faith. Uh, So immediately I got into my travel season. Uh, I'm gone a lot for the summer. I really don't get the I, I'm, home, I'm basically gone for four months straight. The whole time I'm traveling, though, I would visit other surgical centers around the world and and see what I liked about it and the the construction designs and all those kind of things. On the off chances, I, I would usually come home for two to three days before leaving the country again. I would visit a couple of surgical centers here in the U.S. and I'm communicating with an architect. We're kind of going back and forth on these building designs and drawings and layout and you know we're just going through all this stuff and. About August, uh, the the architect sends me some drawings. I was like, that is perfect. That's exactly what we need. I was blown away. It was a beautiful building. And I told the architect, I said, I cannot believe we're getting this building for $100,000. And he said, I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, I can't believe we're getting this building for $100,000. He said, oh... Where, where did you get $100,000 from? I said, the budget that we talked about earlier. He goes, well, as many changes as you've been making, I didn't think money was an option. There's no way you can build this for $100,000. I said, what are you? how much are you talking about now? He said, at least $300,000. I said, thanks, I appreciate that. I hung up the phone and I'm just sitting there going, I don't know what we're going to do. No lie, about a day later, that lady calls me back. She says, I haven't seen anything I haven't heard anything about this building. I've been watching social media. I've been waiting to see construction pictures. What's going on? I said, well, we've had a few setbacks here. I said, I'm sorry. I, 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 it was because, and she just stops me. She goes, you know what? My husband and I, we're going to drive out to Baltimore. I'd like to sit down and talk to you about it. We hung up the phone and I kind of felt like mama was coming home and my chores <laughs> wasn't done. You know, like I was going, oh no, I can't believe this. She shows up at our office a couple of weeks later. And I had asked the missionary in Honduras, I said, will you put together a good video that shows the condition of the hospital and, and why we need to be there so badly? Our staff, we came up with full-color brochures to show them all the plans and, and all the ideas that we had about how we were going to use this space. Uh, we had the, the the architectural renderings blown up on a big board. And so we did a big professional presentation for her and her husband. And I said, hey, listen, here's what we think we would like to do. I said, now here's the problem. I said, the money you gave us, uh, this is not really what you intended to do at the very beginning. And so as a result of that, I have the money tonight. I have a check that we're willing to give you back your money because this is not what you signed up for initially. I said, or if you see all this and you feel like you still want to be involved, we're ready tomorrow to start a campaign to raise the rest of the funds so that we can start construction of this building. It's up to you. What would you like to do? Her husband looks at me and he says, well, how much more money do you need? I said, they're saying at least $200,000. He said, all right, no big deal. I'll just write you a check tonight. I know. I'm just sitting there like, y'all are killing me. I said, are you sure? Do y'all want to take some time to pray about it? And this is what he said. He looked at me and said, Bradley, you've got the hard job. Writing a check is super easy. That's what he said. I said, it would be really hard for me to write that check. I can tell you that right now. He said, Bradley, we believe that God has given to us So that we can give to others to enable ministries to see the gospel go further to do more. He said, that's the reason why God has blessed our business was not for us to build a bigger home for not for us to have fancier cars or to have all the other things, the accoutrements that people would expect you to have with this kind of money. He said, God has entrusted this to us to bless other people. I sat there that night and I'm not even gonna lie. I sat there in tears. I couldn't believe that God would do this when my faith was so little that I didn't believe that I could even ever see money that much to be able to build something like this. And can I tell you this? Every need along the way, he's met. $25,000 per container to both fill and to ship. How am I going to come up with $75,000? I never I once told anyone, but the money came in for it. Uh, the, the, the materials, the equipment we needed, I'm sitting there going, there's no way I'm ever going to find an orthopedic surgical table for a price that I can actually afford. Do you know last week God provided one? I mean, it's been time after time after time. The things that I didn't know I would need ahead of time, he already knew. He was already preparing it. And he was just waiting for me to ask him, to seek him, to continue to step out in faith. And there it was, just when I needed it, just how I needed it, for just the amount that I could spend on it. God is that good. And so can I tell you this? Your field, don't let anything distract you. Don't let anything hold you back. I don't know how I could ever get involved in faith promise at church. I don't know how I could really step out in faith and really start tithing like I should. I don't know that I have enough time to invest in a Sunday school class. I don't know that I have the right words to step up and share the gospel with someone. I don't know if I'll ever be able to reach that, that neighbor or that coworker or that that that, that, that family member of mine. Listen. Don't you worry about anything. Just get into your field. Be passionate about it. Pursue what God has called you to do. Allow Him to protect you. Allow Him to provide for you. And it will all come about the way He designed it to. Just get into your field. I'm telling you. Just like this field for her, it was ready for harvest. It was sitting out there ready for harvest. She just had to get out there to it. Uh, Jesus, I think He's told us even. Look into the fields for their white unto harvest. Can I tell you, based on my travels, it is red, yellow, black, and white unto harvest. There are nations, nationalities, people all over this world that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is your responsibility and my responsibility to reach them. We just got to get into our field. I'll close with this. I'm sorry. I've been just a couple minutes over. Will you look at verse number 23 with me? And we're done. Verse number 23. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean. Listen to this next part. Next three words unto the end. Ruth, this is your field. Go out there. Go get all the blessings that I have in store for you. Handful after handful after handful. Bags and bags of blessings are going to be yours, Ruth. Just get out there. Go get it. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. I promise you. I'm not trying to sound sp- pious or anything like that. Uh, I don't care where they bury me. I don't care where my body gets placed. It's not really important to me. Uh, I really don't care what's written on my tombstone, to be honest with you, but I hope that it could be something like he was faithful to the end. That's what I hope and pray. I'm a human like everybody else. I have my faults. I have my failures. I have my times where I don't obey and I don't do like I should. But thankfully, his mercy is new every morning. <laughs> thankfully, he still counts me faithful and then has put me into the ministry. And I hope that one day, even my children, Noah, Jude, Lulu, and Ruby, I don't want them to think I was a fun poppy. I don't want them to think I was, uh, you know, whatever. I want them to think that their poppy was faithful to the Lord. That should be every one of our heart's desire. Just like Ruth. I want to stay at it. I want to find my field. I want to get out there and work. And I want to serve. And I want to do everything I can until the harvest is finished. Until it's over. I want to be found faithful. Tonight, if you're not faithfully in your field, guess what? Tonight can be the first night of getting into it. Of renewing that passion. Of renewing that pursuit. Of doing what God has called you to do. Those things that have put you down and and set you back and the things that have discouraged you in the past, listen, put them aside with renewed boldness and and courage tonight. Let's all stand together and we can say, God, with Your help, I'm going to let You protect, I'm going to let You provide, and God, I'm giving it everything for the rest of my life. God, help me. I want to give it everything for Your glory. Our Heavenly Father, thank You for many blessings, and I thank You for the opportunity just to look at Your Word tonight to be encouraged, to be challenged by this passage of Scripture. And Lord, tonight, I don't know what's going on in everyone's lives. I have no idea. I don't know who's in here that's faced difficulties or defeats. I'm not sure that there may be people who've had setbacks and failures, whatever it may be. But tonight, Lord, each and every one of us, would you help us to take a moment in the quietness of this moment and just examine our lives To really reflect, to honestly ask ourselves, am I doing what God has called me to do? Am I passionate about it? Have I been honestly giving it everything I possibly could for His glory to see Him bless in my life? Oh God, help us to be honest with you and now to make a decision based on how you're speaking to our heart. This evening, if you're here with eyes... Closed heads bowed. I just want to ask a simple question. I, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in this world. I, I wouldn't do that. I won't come to you for anything like that. This is just simply between me, you, and the Lord. If you're here tonight, you can say, "Hey, Bradley, you know what? The honest truth is, I am not really involved like I should be. I, I, I have really not done much of anything to try to serve the Lord or to share the gospel with other people. I, I may you, maybe you used to, and you're just not at it anymore." But tonight, you'd say, Bradley, would you pray for me that I'd have a renewed boldness, a renewed passion about going out and serving the Lord as he's, as he's laid it on my heart? Bradley, would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just slip up your hand put it right back down? Thank you, man. A lot of hands tonight. Hey, this is us tonight. This is how we can be just like those men in the book of Acts. We can turn this world upside down for Christ, but we've got to be passionate about serving Him. We've got to be bold in our approach and our witness. Lord, tonight you saw the hands that were raised, the folks that obviously you're speaking to their heart, that the Spirit is is leading them, drawing them to, to make changes, to, to make decisions tonight. Lord, please help us to have the courage to do that. In your name we pray.